Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. Well, good morning. Boy, there's a lot of people here this morning. First service. Praise God. If you've, everybody got notes this morning, what we did was we made them a little fancier uh, just so you could, uh, had a lot of people say, you know, I'm hanging them on my refrigerator, I'm putting them on my bathroom mirror, I'm doing all this kind of thing, I'm, I want to have a great day every day. And so they started uh, texting me and telling me and doing all kind of things. So I said, Anna, that, 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 this is Alex eyes, let's analyze it and make it look good and and so she did uh, so you can carry that home if that's something that you might want to do so we um we're really talking about 10 ways that can make a day great and uh the first thing we said was that we invite God in to our relationship or to our day how many people did that verbalize that this week as you went how'd it go was it good it's good, isn't it? I had somebody tell me this week, a Wednesday night, they came and they said, you know, I said what you told me to. I said, the preacher said, invite you in, and I did. And, and I said, how'd it go? He said, good. He said, it went real good. And uh, I just, I love that. And then, and then he began to tell me a, a testimony, and, and it just lines up a lot. And I want to just, just encourage you this morning. In the last two weeks, we've had five people filled with the Holy Spirit. In the last two weeks, just in services, not not necessarily being prayed for or maybe at home. But five folks have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, which I think is absolutely through the roof. Can we give God a shout out? And I thank you for that. That's that's, that's life-changing. That's life-changing stuff. Don Potter's coming in June 5th, speaking of inviting God into your day. If you weren't here Wednesday night, we talked a little bit, we had a little bit of a vision casting deal and talking about what the Lord's doing here as we invite him in to a church atmosphere, which is exactly what we want to do. We talked uh, just a little bit about how I feel like the Lord is, is going to do what Bethany just sang. He's going to use a people. He's going to transform us into a, a people who he can use that actually will reflect who he is better. Don't, that's why you're here, right? So that we can be a better reflection of who God is. And, and to do that, God has established for us fasting and praying. He tells us to fast and pray. And what we talked about on Wednesday night is that what the church does, and like it does everything else, is it tries to water down fasting. And let me just tell you this right now. There's nowhere in Scripture that fasting is not food. It's always, always, always food. And the reason it is is so that you can get the flesh in line. And if you don't get the flesh in line, you're not going to really get much of anything else in line. But... We're going we're gonna to call a fast as a church. And, um, and I was trying to figure out how to do it. And I had Abba pray on Wednesday night, and he prayed the house down if you weren't here. He, he just brought it, and uh, it was fantastic. He started in Genesis, and he finished in Revelation. <laughs> and he prayed the whole thing in, you know, so we're, we're good. <clears throat> but this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. 
And I, and I know that this is, this is difficult. You don't have to do it. But as many of you that would agree with me on this, I, I, I just think, I think we can see God do something. Now, this is radical. This is a radical thing. But I say it's radical, but it's in Scripture time and time and time and time and time and time again. And Jesus was our example because he did it over and over and over and over again. And so what I want to do, Don Potter's coming in on the 5th. And what we were looking at is giving you enough time to prepare yourself mentally and spiritually for a fast. Some of you may only be able to fast certain things because of health issues or whatever, and that's okay. But I'm asking as many of you as will, on that Wednesday night before the 5th, at, at 7 o'clock, from, from that moment on, and I'm going to actually start at 6 because that's kind of like a Sabbath. One day starts on the 6th in, in God's time frame. But I'm going to go till, till Sunday morning after church with no food, just water. That's what I'm going to do. And that's challenging. I can hear a pin drop. But, but let me, and, and here's the important thing that we do, I think. I know. Is you just don't fast just to fast. You fast and you pray. You 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 substitute food for with prayer, the 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 bread of heaven. And so and so I just encourage you that you would fast and 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 if you're you know in the workplace or whatever it might be, that you that you take that lunch time or take that break time or whatever, and you not just sit there thinking about how hungry you are and being tempted by the idea of feeding the flesh. But you actually begin to take that time and focus on God. And <laughs> this is what I believe. And I know it's going to happen. He's going to take that hunger away, and he's going to make you okay. He's going to strengthen you in your inner man. And this is what Abba tells me. Abba is a, he was so excited about fasting because he comes from Alge Nigeria. And they, Algeria, in Nigeria, they fast all the time. And he says, you wouldn't believe what the hand of God does when a people will fast together. And so that's the Wednesday before the 5th. So what day is that? That's the 1st. So we're talking June 1st, and then we're going to fast until after church on that Sunday morning, if you will do that with me. That's three and a half days. Anybody want to commit to that with me? Anybody committing to that with me? That's it. Just a few. Anybody going with me? I'm going to give you a second. Going once. Okay, cool. I'm good. That'll be great. How many of you will just fast something? Would you agree with me on that, that you'll fast some, some food that you love? And I won't give you one that I think would be not only... Great to fast, but good for you. No sugar. Okay, enough of that. So we invite God into our day, number one. Number two, we eat the word because the word and the spirit are intertwined. We said last week, and they work together, the spirit uh, the, the Word of God is the weapon of the Spirit of God, and it uses it to help you become and do what He wants you to do. We commit to God's way, the right way. 
of thinking and doing. Number four, we're mission-minded. We let God prioritize our day so that he can bring glory to himself. I didn't put this passage of Scripture in here, but it's my favorite one. You hear it all the time. I want you to think about this for a moment. This is what God says. He says, when two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. He says that, right? He's here with us, right? Now tie that together with the idea that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro in this place to find a heart that is solely devoted to him so that he can show himself strong through that man or woman. And so God is looking for people that he can show himself strong to. Why? Because they strong through because they're solely devoted to him. Their, their heart is turned toward God and the things of God so that the glory of God can be seen. And that's what you were just singing about. And it had such a prophetic edge. Did y'all, did y'all sense that God was saying something to us? Through, through that song, through words. It was the voice of God. So oftentimes, we can't get past the familiarity with somebody we know and think that God can actually speak through that person, especially when we know their flaws. And you just really need to get by that because God uses people to speak to you. And everybody's flawed, except Bethany, of course. But how many of you have seen, and, and I'm putting her on the spot real quick, but I'm, I can put Tiffany on the spot, I can put Anna on the spot, I can put all of them on the spot, Michael on the spot, but how many of you have seen tremendous growth in them as they lead us in worship over the last years or two? Isn't it amazing? It's absolutely amazing. Doesn't that encourage you? Let me just tell you this. That doesn't happen because they practice music. They do practice music but they practice worship. The reason she was able to do what she just did is because that's, that's her home life. That's who she is. That's who she's becoming. And God moves in that. He wants to do that in you. It's not uh, relegated to those who are going to be on stage. It's for the church. And, and, and as we walk through this and as we see these things that, that, that we become mission-minded, that we prioritize our day, that we do it for the glory of God. Let people see the nature and the character of God through me, even if it's a smile. How many of you need work on that? Would you raise your hand? I'm, some of you aren't telling the truth. How many of you need work on that? I'm waiting on everybody in the room to raise their hand, and then we'll go on. Place your hope in him. He is your provision. He's your increase. You remember we talked about that our job was work ethic. Our job was worship ethic. Our job was surrender ethic. Our job is humility ethic. God resists the proud, but he blesses the humble. He, he moves on you because you lay your life down to him, because you're not stiff-necked and stubborn. You begin to see the nature and the character of God when you get rid of your stubbornness and your stiff-neckedness, the way you've always done it because you've always done it that way, 
Or maybe your mama did it that way, your daddy did it that way, your grandmama, your granddaddy, however you got messed up like you are. Everybody say amen. Amen. (laughs) Including the preacher, right? We get get in a way and our personalities show things that aren't the nature and the character of God. And what we're singing to him is that you would change my nature and my character and make it like you so that when I show up somewhere, they see you and not me, especially the old me. I don't want the old me to show up. And, 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 the, and the old me rises his ugly head up every now and again. Do you all deal with that? Now, the thing about you that we got to be uh, careful of is to make sure that we are were, we were quick to recognize that and place our hope in him and surrender to him and humble ourselves before him knowing that he is our provision. And so that was number five. So number six, if we want to have a great day, it goes right along with what we were singing in that we live in peace with men. We live in peace, period, in life and with other people. Let's read Romans chapter 12, verse 18 together. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with with who? With all. If it's so your part, in other words, what makes it as, as, as possible as it can, what makes it impossible if they refuse to cooperate, right? But as far as you go, you live peaceable with people. This is a tremendous thought process in our day. You know, we can get com- completely uh, riled up with the political climate in the country today. We can get completely riled up with some of the things that are trying to get forced down Christians' throats. Can we not? Now, that, now should, should, we, should we be disgusted? Should we be angry? Sometimes. But we cannot let that anger cause us to sin. Jesus was angry, but most of the time he was angry at the church's response to the world. You're tracking with me? And the church is not responding very well to the world right now. As far as you're concerned, the message of God, if you want to have a great day, is to bring peace to a situation. Now, to be a peacemaker, it has to, you have to be involved in situations that need peace. Right? It's not like you're going down the road in this hunky-dory, everything's good, and so it's easy to be a peacemaker. When it becomes hard to be a peacemaker is when peace is absolutely needed and undeserved. And that's when you've got to become a peacemaker. As far as you're concerned, you bring peace. And so that means that argumentative behavior is contrary to the kingdom. Because as far as you're concerned, make peace. Now, I just want you to think for one moment how much better your day would be if you didn't listen to talk radio. Everybody I know that listens to talk radio is mad. Everybody I know, they're mad. Ticked off. 
And they listen to it day after day after day. You know why? They want something new to be ticked off about. They're going to find something else that somebody's complaining about so that they can complain about that same thing. Now tell me that's not true. It's true. And it fuels us. Why? Because it's our flesh. It's not the character of God. It's not the nature of God. And, and these folks, come, they, 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 they talk about being Christian and acting Christian. Now, the things of the kingdom are contrary to the things of the world. And that is a worldly response to a problem. I'm not suggesting that the, the things that these commentary, uh, commentators bring up is not a problem. They are a problem. But our response to those problems needs to be kingdom. And Jesus said that his way is not our way. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. My way is not your way. And if it's a very natural way to get ticked off and begin to respond from that manner, then you know most likely that's not God's way. I mean, you can pretty much just take that into account. So you're going to have to be stretched to make a decision He's big, too. I don't know where he went, but he was just right there. That's good. So our, now let's read that verse again. If possible, so far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with everybody. That means those who are in contrast to your way of thinking. Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. In other words, you can't be normal. You've got to be set apart to this peacemaker. Blessed, Jesus said. Happy, Jesus said. Supremely blessed are the peacemakers. Supremely blessed. You want blessing? You want a great day? Be a peacemaker. I'm going to hang out right here for a minute. I think it's important. Now, let me ask you a question. Can you be bitter and be a peacemaker? Can you, can you harbor unforgiveness and be a peacemaker? You cannot. And the command from God is to be a peacemaker. Now, here's what I want you to see, how we fight. This is a fight. How many would say this is a fight in our day? This is a fight. This is a war. And you're not warring against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in heavenly places. And that comes as thoughts. That comes as ideology. All those things are coming at you that this is the way you're supposed to think. This is how you should respond. 
And we just see our culture getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Why? Because they're giving in to the response of the flesh. And there's not enough believers becoming peacemakers. I see people that harbor bitterness that are in the church. It's unbelievable. We see it all the time in churches. I had somebody um, call me from out of town, a different city, not long ago. And they had a new pastor, and it was a pretty big church. And they really began to talk just severely bad about their pastor. And they were still going to that church. And they hired that pastor. They had a search committee, because it was their tradition, to find this pastor. They found the pastor. He began to change things, and they began to complain because he was changing things. He was doing things in a way that they hadn't done them before. And he was forgetting some of the people who had brought that place to where it was. But their attitude toward, toward him was atrocious. And I called them out on it, and they got mad at me. But that's what the Bible says do. When your brother is in sin, you need, to, you need to say something. Your brother or sister is in sin, you need to say something. And that was the case. They were bringing discord and division and disunity to a church about, you know, stupid stuff like color of paint or style of music. It wasn't, the, it wasn't theology. It wasn't some other thing than Jesus died on the cross. It was some stupid stuff like we got blue carpet instead of gray carpet. I mean, that's absolutely, and they harbored bitterness, and then they had unforgiveness. Now, do you believe that that can be from heaven? Is that kingdom at all that a believer would be bitter and unforgiving toward people in the church or especially leadership because of something that's contrary, uh, something other than theology or doctrine. And, and they sit in church, and this is what they say. I'm going to keep going to that church because God's saying go, but I'm not going to get nothing, dadgummit. I'm just going to sit here. And you can look at their face and see that they're absolutely miserable. And they think they're being obedient to God. They are confused. And they're not going to hear from heaven. And heaven's not coming in their life. And the reason being is, is because they are not making peace. Because they're bringing division and disunity. Because they're buying into the idea of bitterness and unforgiveness. And they're harboring that, thinking they're obeying God because they're coming to church. That's the devil telling them to come to church because all they got is division. He knows he can bring them in and just split things up. That's good preaching right there. I don't, the church needs to hear that right there. What's that? It was better than your response. That's good preaching right there. Okay, thank you. Is that better? Okay, that's better. All right, we're getting there. You want to do it one more time? One more time, he says. That's good preaching right there. <laughs> that's funny right there. Live in peace in life with all men. You know, life's just too short. We're such control freaks. You can't live in peace and be a control freak. Turn to the person beside you and say, you can't live in peace if you're a control freak. Go ahead. Go ahead. You have freedom. You have freedom. You've been wanting to say that all week. 
You've been wanting to say that all week. <laughs> oh, I just gave you freedom. Guys, give me a high five. Now, ladies, give me a high five. Okay, now we're good. But we need to live in peace if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. Number, number seven, it's been strengthened by joy. You know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that means that you can have a bad day. You can have critical people. You can have, you can have these people who are trying to bring this disorder into your life, dysfunction into your life, and you can, and you can begin to, to represent God well by being a peacemaker in the midst of those circumstances that you're just not going to argue. You're just not going to let that thing get on you. You're just not going to let it get on you. You can be that if you want. Listen, Tabitha, you can be that if you want, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not joining you. You know, bitterness and unforgiveness puts you in prison. It puts them in prison. And that's not what God came to do. God came to set you free from prison, right? And so what, what is the joy of the Lord is my strength. It is the, is the thing that makes me strong. It's my exercise task. How many of you guys work out? Oh, my goodness. How many of you guys work out? How many of you guys really want to work out? How many, how many of you guys think that working out would probably be good? Okay, good. <laughs> How many like it when other people work out? <laughs> oh, yeah. You go. Yeah. How many like reading blogs on working out? Yeah, I feel like I just got exercise. I got exercise reading that blog. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's good right there. <laughs> but it's the joy of the Lord is, 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 is what we need to exercise to bring in something that can overcome bad days. The reason you can have a great day every day isn't because you're not going to have bad stuff. It's because the joy of the Lord it's your strength. So when bad things begin to happen and you have invited God into your day, you've allowed him to order your day, you know the word so the Holy Spirit can give you, blessed are the peacemakers. For they see God. They're going to see God work. They're going to see the kingdom come. There's going to be blessing on that because that's who God is. He's a... He's a peacemaker. And so they're going to do that. And in, in, in that moment, they begin to worship God because of the process. If you weren't here Wednesday night, we had, uh, had a word about, about healing and that, and that God is, is, in the, is in the healing process. She's not getting miraculously healed right now. God didn't just speak it and it was miraculous, but she believes that God has said to her that there's this process of healing that's coming, but your healing is there because I'm the healer. 
I'm Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. So I am going to heal you, but it's a process. And she said everything about her world changed when she changed her position before God and began to worship him because he is with her in the process. And that brings joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength in the midst of a bad day. And so you can have a good day when things are going bad. Isn't that good? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's look at a couple verses that just talks about that. Colossians chapter 111. Paul is talking to the church, and listen to what he says to you. He says, may you be strengthened with all power according to Jesus' glorious might for all endurance and patience. Now, let me just break this down real quick. You're going to be strengthened with power, all the glorious power that Jesus had. Paul says it like this. The same power that raises Jesus from the dead is available to you. He can move in you. He can move in your situations. You know what? And he wants to. That's the good news. The good news is he's good. He's waiting on us to begin to respond righteously. And as we do, he wants to show himself strong that the glory of the Lord, the glorious power of God will manifest in your circumstances. And he says this, according to that power that Jesus exemplified on the cross so that you can endure bad days with patience. I mean, endure bad days and be filled with patience. How many say, I need that? How? With joy. You want to be patient? You want to be powerful? Your fuel, your strength is joy. Wow. So why is it did I see Christians walking around like, how you doing? Well, I'm all right. <laughs> Just by the grace of God, I'm making it again. What the heck is that? <laughs> it's true, isn't it? That's not what God says. When we say, how you doing? Well, we start, you know, we start talking about our aches. Instead of starting with the joy, rejoicing. I rejoice that my God is greater than all other gods. I'm rejoicing today because he said he'd never leave me or forsake me. I am worshiping him because he loves me and I'm his favorite and he has good things for me. I've got this overwhelming enthusiasm and excitement because I know that he has a future for me, a hope for me. And it's to prosper me and not to harm me. And I'm walking through that, Phil, even though I've been diagnosed. I'm walking through that with joy because he is with me and I am his. Amen? Isn't that the truth? 
We don't have to be defeated. We don't have to be hopeless. We can walk through life with tough situations and be filled with joy. How many know that our nation needs joy and not anxiousness? How many know that our nation needs joy and not stress? Who is going to show them how to do that? If the church doesn't, it's absolutely impossible. Because the only way that we can exemplify the glory of God is to be strengthened by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that strength is brought about by the joy of the Lord. Be strengthened by joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says this. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine. Somebody said, hallelujah. <laughs> I just want you to know that's in Scripture. <laughs> that's good right there. Somebody just say, ribeye. <laughs> not next Wednesday, not, ne not Wednesday after next, but Sunday. <laughs> you go, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy, separated out, different, because God is different. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now listen. This scripture was written in Nehemiah when they went to build the walls. They've been in captivity to the Babylonians, and they went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and we rebuild the walls, and this is what it said. This is what it said. Now, I want you to really hear me on this. This is a word from the Lord. I'm telling you right now. They went back, and they had the sword in one hand, and they began to build the wall of the city up in front of their house. Each man began to build the wall up from the ruins of that city. They began to build that wall up in front of their house with a sword in the hand, ready to do warfare, ready to do that. And at the same time, rebuilding the house of God. God is in a place today well, he's rebuilding his house. There may seem like that the church is getting more and more liberal, but I'm telling you right now, there's an underlying current. It is called the Holy Spirit, and he's moving on the hearts of men and women, and he's going to save his church. <laughs> he says that he's going to build his church, and against his church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's going to win, and the church is going to win because there's going to be a remnant at least. Amen. Amen. Whew. Listen, church, this is what the Lord said. We read that story, and we think, oh, those people. What a great story. They rebuilt the wall in front of their house. They fought off the enemy. 
they were being attacked by the enemy, but they, they, they didn't get necessarily discouraged. Their leadership rose up and said, listen, the day is the day to celebrate because we don't need to be we don't need to be in a place where we're discouraged and stressed and anxious. Let's go home. Let's eat. Let's have a party. And let's make this day holy unto the Lord because I'm going to rejoice in the process. And we look at that and we say, wow, that's great. Oh, isn't that a good story? Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I feel good when I read that story. And he's saying, you are that people. Quit reading stories and looking and saying that's a cool story and start doing the story. Be the story. He needs his church to rise up and take care of their families. He needs the church to begin to build the walls and not be discouraged and not to be hopeless, but to show the glory of the Lord. So we got to be strengthened with joy. <laughs> I got to fly. That's enough. I really believe that that's enough preaching. There's three more. But if we can just get that, this city needs a church like that. This city needs lots of churches, and I'm sure there's churches strategically placed around this city to do business like that. We just got to make sure that we are one of them. How do you do that? You humble yourself before God. Unless Jesus builds the house, the people labor in vain. So we got to do good to everyone. Number eight, we got to do good to everyone. Let me read these scriptures. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are ex excellent and profitable for people. So not only do we have to live in peace, we have to do good to those around us. Uh, Titus 3.8 says this, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help causes cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Titus 2.14 says this, Who gave himself for us to redeem us, Jesus did, for all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his possession who are zealous for good works. So when you're going through your day, if you want to have a great day, you focus on doing good works to those that you come in contact with. Lord, how can I do good works today for you? What can I be doing? Make me aware of how I can bring good works to people, how I can bless people. I'm going to tell you what. <clears throat> I believe this, and I'm going to tell you this, and I, I hope it doesn't blow my blessing because I'm not telling you who I did it to or what I do, and I know people do it in our congregation. I know that people will leave their seat, and they'll come back, and there'll be money in an envelope in that seat. I know that happens here. But if you see or you hear of people who are having a hard time, I keep a $100 bill in my wallet often so that I'm looking for somebody that God wants to give that to. Because they need to know that they're not alone and that God sees them. And if you just give it to them, 
and you don't even know them, and there's nothing you can get in return. I promise you this. God sees the gift, and he can do exceedingly abundantly above that 100 bucks any day of the week. you got to be looking to do good. And there are so many people. We talked to a woman at the beach just the other week on vacation with our anniversary. And she had cancer in her brain, cancer in her liver, cancer in her kidneys, cancer all over her body and her stomach. And she had been doing chemo. And, and I didn't know that. She was beautiful, wasn't she? She was beautiful. And I said, is there any way we can pray? And she just started telling me this. I went, wow, you're a miracle. And she said, I am. I said, can I pray for you? She said, yes. We prayed. Can you imagine the financial burden on a person like that that's waiting tables? And how she feels hopeless, possibly because of recognition, or certainly that God might not see her. And in the name of the Lord, you can be an agent of goodness just to let somebody know that God sees them. I think he'll show you if we look. Number eight, we've got to expect to love people in a power this greater than ours. I love the song, Bethany. I mean, it's amazing to me that we did that. I want to love like you do. Teach me to love like you do. How do you do that? You do it in power. You do it by the grace of God. You know that I just saw a statistic, I think it was 2%. 2% of Christians really understand what the word grace means. Everybody thinks it means unmerited favor, and it includes unmerited favor, but it's not just, it's not mercy. It's the power of God moving on you, doing something great, doing something bigger than you can do, to bring something about that you can't. That's grace. That's why Paul said, "My God's grace is sufficient. His power working in my circumstances that does more than I can do on my own is enough. It's enough. And God wants you to love people in grace, in power, so that we love them when they're unlovable. So we love them like he does. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Expect to love in God's power. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every aspect has been tempted as we have, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of power that works in us, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
1 John 5, 14 says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked him for. If you ask in his will, he hears you. And that leads us to number 10, and that's don't quit. You can't get discouraged doing the right thing. You can't get discouraged praying for people. You can't get discouraged for family members. You can't get discouraged for your finances and quit. You've got to continue on. You've got to continue doing things God's way. You've got to continue to pray. You say, well, pastor, I've been praying, but I haven't seen any results. Well, God knew that those kinds of things were going to happen. And so in Daniel, he writes to us, the church, and he tells us about Daniel uh, being in a place of captivity as he began to pray to God. And he asked God to move in his situation, and, and, and he didn't move. And finally, he shows up. And, and Daniel asked the angel of the Lord, and, and by the way, you've been assigned those angels, it says in Psalm 91, you've been assigned angels. God sends angels on your behalf when you pray to take care of business. He sends messengers. That's true. There's messengers in the invisible realm for darkness and for light. But Daniel said, where you been? He said, I've been fighting the enemy for 21 days. And when I get done serving you here, I've got to go back and fight them some more. There's a battle going on or you wouldn't see evil. There's a battle going on or you wouldn't see trouble. And so don't grow weary. Don't quit. You win. Jesus paid it all. He said, it's finished. I've done it. The work's done. What's done? Death's defeated. Sin's defeated. Fear's defeated. Everything that is named on this earth is below me. I've taken back the keys. I've gotten the authority, and I've given it to the church. And you have that authority. We can walk in that. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Get determined. The gates of hell will not prevail. Robert said last night in his sermon that that's a defensive posture. Too often times the church is on the defensive. Hell needs to be on the defensive because they lose because you're attacking hell. I love what you said last night. This is I'm stealing his sermon. Last night he was talking about David. And when he saw Goliath, this is an incredible point. You read it. It says that David ran toward Goliath. He got on the offensive. He attacked. That is the mission of the church. The attack the gates of hell. Be attacking. How do you attack it? You humble yourself before God. You allow the power of God to move in your life. You let him bring glory through you that you can't do because your natural nature isn't peaceable. Your natural nature may be negative. You may be negative Nelly. But there's no excuse to remain negative Nelly. If you want the power and the strength of God to be in your life, you better get the joy of the Lord. 
You better let him come on you. You better get to shouting. I love it when Richard gets up here shouting. It's hard to do that if you ain't got joy. Let me just point that out. Right? Don't quit. Don't grow weary doing well. Do the right thing. Do good to those. <laughs> Jesus said, love your enemy. What? Yeah. Because even the heathen can love those who love them. But it takes the power of God. It takes the grace of God to love those who hate you. Father, let's, let's stand together. Father, say that with me. Father. I like it. Say it loud. Father. We bless you. Bless Father, open our eyes. Father. Let us see, Let's see. The, areas, God, the areas, God, that we need to move forward in. Move forward. Let, us Let us see our weakness so we can surrender it to you. And be made strong. Lord, I know that no matter what comes my way, I can have a great day because you're with me in the process. That makes my day great. Amen? Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.